Hello and welcome back to her Gypsy Soul podcast, The Stories That Find Us. My name is Jacqueline Van Birk. I am your host. I am a singer, songwriter, music composer. I love people and having conversations and sharing stories with people. And my dog loves to drink water whenever I talk on camera. That's just what he does. Who could stop him? Who should stop a thirsty dog from drinking? <laughs> so, as I've told you maybe beforehand, I wanted to share some other daughter stories because we have so many stories. The band I was in, for those of you who don't know, I used to have a band called Otto's Daughter. We were electronic pop metal. We started out kind of being industrial gothy. Um, and we, I had this band for a long time and it's undergone many, many changes. But um, I wanted to kind of start from the beginning and introduce some members that started the band with me and were there in the early days of Otto's Daughter. And so I'm super stoked and excited to have today's guest with me, the one and only H.H. Gadget, who started Otto's Daughter with me. We started the band together after I couldn't find a band that I wanted to join and he couldn't find anything that he was happy with. And we were like, let's do the band together. So with no further ado, we're going to share some stories and we have some old, you know, memories <laughs> and kind of go with the flow. I didn't want to plan it too much because, you know, sometimes fun stuff comes out when it's not expected or not planned. So with no further ado, here's Gadget. Hello, Mr. Gadget. How are you? Hey, Jacqueline. How are you doing? <laughs> Good. It's been a minute. Um, you know, I, I thought it would be so much fun to talk about some of our old Otto's daughter days, how we started, which I think was pretty funny, actually. Um, and, and such a growth process because we didn't know shit at the time, mm. you know? Um, and I mean, <laughs> so, We'll, we'll start there. Let, just tell people a little bit about, you know, where we started and um, and we'll go from there. All I have to say is lightning rig. <laughs> well, um, why don't you start out? What is your recollection of how it started? I want to say 95. Oh my God. Yeah, yes. Actually, we got married at 95. Um, mm -hmm. and of the band and we didn't want anyone to know that we were together which is kind of funny because everybody kind of knew but back in the days it was not cool right it was like don't tell nobody that they're together in a band it's not good for the band it, you know might not get a record deal <laughs> all that kind of stuff um i remember you were i don't i don't remember the guy's name but there was a guy who was singing like this all the time and um i said gadget i mean you should like drum for him he needed a drummer and so you played with him for a while. I don't remember the name of the band. Remember who I'm talking about? Uh, his name was Mike, but I don't remember the name of the band. Long black hair. And he was always kind of like a little bit like. Um... <laughs> Ramones looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was trying to find a band and I went on some auditions, but I didn't, I couldn't find a band. And you were not too happy with your band either. And then. I started going to a producer. We both started going to producer at first and kept dropping a lot of money somewhere uh, uptown, remember, like up at West Side. Um, 
And after an EP, I think we did like Insane and like a couple other songs. I didn't even like them that much. I don't think we ever even released those. And we, you did Laundry. I don't know if I was with you. And then you met Cedric. And that's how it all started, where we were like, you know, we should get our own computer <laughs> and start recording ourselves and start saving money. And we're more in control because I didn't like something with the producer and there were only so many things I was allowed to change. Otherwise I had to pay more money. And I was like, this sucks. This is very expensive. And then that's how it started. And then we hooked up with Cedric and Tom. Oh, yeah, and we stayed up till like two or three in the morning trying to get computers to work to record and um, went to some, uh, I don't know, music, I don't know, exposés is the right word, but where vendors would, you know, talk about new products and the new concept of recording on computers. And I actually um, still talk to uh, the guy that introduced us to Cubase at Sam Ash Pro. Wow. And uh, still, he's still in the industry and so am I. We still talk. A guy named Fady. Uh, he's now at uh, SSL, Solid State Logic. But um, yeah, so we started recording and, and doing late nights with Tommy and Cedric, geeking out on computer stuff, trying to get it to work. Um, and then we got that studio. Remember how much that studio used to flood? Not a little bit. Yeah, remember we had we had to raise the floor. It was in Union City. Yes. And we had to raise the floor up because it would every time it rained it would flood, and then that one time it flooded so much that the basement had like three feet of water in it. Oh, and that crazy dude that owned it, you know. And then at some point, you know, I think because I was thinking about this when you mentioned you wanted to talk about some of the more. Uh, humorous things that happened. So uh, one of the earlier funny things that I remember is um, at some point I had switched to electronic drums mm -hmm. and then for some reason I got the, but I remember we were like, you wanted lighting. So I started making these horrible lighting <laughs> boxes for you to stand on. Um, <laughs> yes. And I was working at Home Depot during the daytime. So I had access to all the stuff and we would build these lighting boxes and that you would fall through them because they weren't strong enough. <laughs> and then um, some point, for some reason, I decided it would be a good idea to do flash pots, which is a kind of pyro. You remember those? Yes. <laughs> and I think uh, Jim had just joined the band. So we were probably a year, a couple of years into it at that point. And everyone thought, you know, that it were super dangerous and all that. And I was like, no, no, no. So I went outside with a flash pot and put like twice as much gunpowder as you're supposed to in there. You're crazy like that. <laughs> just to demonstrate how safe it would be. And I remember I like blew it up in my face and burnt off <laughs> my eyebrows and my hair. Let's, oh yeah, that was that was a good start. And then I think Jim's, Jim's first show was was um, oh god, I forget the name of the club um, in New Orleans. No, no, his first, I thought his first show was at uh, in oh, New York. Connection was it Connection? Uh, it was the one yeah, I can't remember. Oh, with Coil, with Coil. Maybe, and uh, there was there's somewhere there was video of it. 
Um, and it was a pretty packed club and I had the pyro set up, but it was the first show he played with us where they had the pyro set up and I had the whole thing complicated set up on MIDI so it would automatically go off. And I had warned Jim not to stand next to the drum set. <laughs> and I remember he was leaning over towards me and, you know, our background tracks are going and it's really loud on stage. We haven't actually started playing yet. The intro's going. And Jim leaned over the kit to ask me something. And I remember like waving him, like, get away, get away from the kit. And then, you know, and he was just like, what? He just leaned in even further. And then all the flash pots went off in his face. And he was blind for the first song or two of the set. So poor Jim. So yeah, we I blew him out with that. So there was the flash pots, but I think one of the funniest things that I remember happening and I think we were playing two or three shows over a couple of days and we were doing Philly and then Pittsburgh and someplace else. And we were in uh, Jim's um, undestroyable GMC Safari van. And we were, we rented a U-Haul uh, truck that we were towing or uh, uh, whatever. We were towing something from U-Haul that we had yeah. all the gear in. And I remember, uh, Jim was, I think Jim was driving, although maybe I was. So one of us was driving. I think we were both up front. And I noticed in the rearview mirror that there was smoke coming out of the back. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and I remember saying, hey, guys, guys, I, I'm, I'm, there's, I think there's smoke coming out of the back. And you guys are like, oh, you always worry so much. You're such a worry wart. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure there's smoke coming out. And you guys were like busting my chops or always being worried. And so I'm like, okay. And then I looked, you know, we, we kept driving and I looked up and then there was like fire coming off <laughs> the wheel. And I'm like, hey guys, so yeah, it's like on fire, the <laughs> trailer's on fire. And Jim's like, oh, I don't think so. Or I forget exactly. It was again, you guys were trying to make it sound like I was making a big deal. I'm like, no, I'm serious, it's on fire. <laughs> and then you guys looked, you're like, holy shit, it's on fire. <laughs> and like, so Jim went to pull off the freeway and I think it was right by the Philadelphia Zoo, if I remember. And then right when he's pulling off the freeway, like the axle just broke off and it just crunched into the ground with all <laughs> our gear in it. And I think we had just left a show. So we were all kind of tired. It was like early in the morning. We all wanted to take a shower and chill. And so I think, um, was it Kyle came? We were crashing at Kyle Cassidy's because I went ahead and did a photo shoot while you guys were like trying to get help. Yeah, so some somebody came and picked everyone else up and then and then I think it was Jim and I were there. I, I might have misremembered it. And we had to stay for the tow truck. And then they sent a, a, a tow truck that wasn't a flatbed that couldn't lift the trailer. And then they finally did it. And we ended up the next morning at U-Haul, moving all the gear into the new trailer. And then we finally made it to you guys. And I think it was just in time for us to grab you and drive to Pittsburgh with no sleep. But I, I remember that was pretty, pretty uh, stereotypical, you know, band experience where you're driving around and you're on a shoestring and you know shit's going wrong um and then i mean that was one of my more humorous memories i guess the other one and i know this is on tape somewhere um and it was uh dean ogden's dad was filming us when we moved to la if you remember oh yes and it was 
I don't know what he was doing, but he was filming us all the time while we were just going about rehearsing or hanging out. And I had, do you remember the keyboard rest that was like soft and you would put your wrists on it when you were typing on the keyboard? Oh yeah, yeah. And I would, I would start. You would you know, smack people with it. Well, yeah, it, it, the, fabric, <laughs> the, the fabric started coming on. <laughs> And then one day I finally realized I just ripped the fabric off because I wanted to see what it was. And it was like this really long, rubbery, stretchy thing, like really stretchy. And so I would start fucking with Chimpo or Garrison or, you know, whoever was in the room and I'd try to whack him with it because it would stretch out like six feet. Like, yeah. and then when it hit something, <laughs> it would stick. So we were... I was screwing around with Chimpo, like trying to whack him with it. And like he grabbed an end of it and ran outside of the rehearsal, you know, garage, ran out into the yard. And we both had an end of it. <laughs> we're running away from each other and it's getting longer and longer as we're both running away. And I think we both looked at each other and like had the same thought at the same time. And I let go of it and it like a rubber band, it just snapped at him. And he looked at me with like for a split second, like, ah and then he like tried to jump up in the air to jump over it coming at him and it hit him right in the nuts i mean just <laughs> right in the nuts spun him in the air and i'm telling you it's on film i was so pissed that we were never able to get that footage oh shit! talk about one of those moments in life that you really wish i know and uh you know chimpa was for I guess it bruised his testicles for like a week. He couldn't walk that well. It really hurt him bad. <laughs> so that that was also one of my more favorite memories. Um, <laughs> and we then did of course so much crazy shit. We did so much crazy shit. The dead arm boxing. You remember that? The what? Dead. The arm. dead arm boxing. Yes, I remember that. We all by, all be like. <laughs> and uh, you know, Chimpo was fearless and he would do it with garrison you remember garrison his arms were bigger than my legs he's oh, a man. big guy and he'd always hit jumbo and you'd just be like <laughs> he'd win yeah, I and i think i think it was my turn and we were playing we were gonna do a show outside uh, i don't know if it was the roxy or the whiskey and we were standing outside kind of waiting for our turn on stage and it was my turn. So I went to get Chimpo. And the problem is, of course, I'm so short. And I'm, you know, I'm usually hitting them like right above the hip and like cracking my wrist on their uh, hip bone. So I decided it'd be a good idea to jump up in the air doing the dead arm boxing. And of course, I ended up hitting the back of his neck like really hard. And he just... He flinched and he went beat red and, you know, a couple of tears came out. I was like, dude, you dick. <laughs> so I, most of the stuff that I can think of that was funny is kind of like you had to be there stuff, but um, definitely, you know, I, I, those were for me, the, the highlight reels. Um, you know, there was the constant bickering between you and me, which in retrospect is funny. Um, you know, you were always yelling for more me in the headphones and I was always yelling that it was all the way up and you needed to sing closer to the mic. I always hated those fucking things. I could never quite, I don't know. 
And I'd, I'd beg Chimpo or Garrison to jump in and be like, look, explain to her what I'm talking about. And they'd all like, not be able to. That's you, that's you guys. Like, we're not gonna get in the middle of this. I know, I could, I totally forgot about that. I hated those things. I loved them, but I hated them. Cause I, I always, cause it always sounded like I'm in, I'm in the recording studio, you know? I didn't feel like I was actually like playing live. And it, I don't know, I could never get used to them. You know, what I wanted to talk about too is like, Remember when we first started out, we had like so many crazy people auditioning and joining us and they never quite worked out. We settled for like the shittiest, like, remember that guy, Phil, he was not a shitty person, but like Phil from, we, we used to pick him up, then drive him back home. He had a loft in, in Manhattan somewhere. He, he, it was like a commercial space. Remember yeah. him? Yeah, and he was like buddies with somebody who was famous that was tied to like Jimi Hendrix or something like I that. Remember. But, but I, I will tell you the best short-term member story that I can remember. And I can't remember his name. And God bless his heart, he was as good a sport as any human ever could have been. But there was a song we had that I had come up with a sound by taking a metal vibrator and running it on the guitar. And he kept asking during the rehearsals how we got that sound. And I kept telling him and he'd look at me. He's like, well, I'm not getting one of those. And I'm like, well, just, it's just, you're in New York. Just grab one in the sex shop. It's just a metal vibrator and you just use it on the guitar. And he kept putting it off and he kept putting it off. And I think it was at our first show uh, where CJ set the lights up in front of the band. Remember that? <laughs> you have to tell that story. That was so amazing. <laughs> But so, so it was that, it was already a, a disaster with that going on. And then, what was his name? He's- Bob? Are you talking about Bob? Bob, yes, Bob. The guitarist? And, yeah, yeah. And so Bob shows up to the gig. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> and he, and he, he, I don't remember exactly the details, but he pretty much, I think, came over to me and had a duffel bag. And he's like, well, I got one. I hope you're happy. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, I, I got a dildo. And I'm like, it's a vibrator, first of all, dude. And 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 then he, he, he pulls this giant rubber cock and balls out of the duffel bag. And I looked at it, and this is right before we're going to play. And I'm like, that's not going to vibrate. It's going to muffle the strings. <laughs> and I, was, I think it was our last song in the set. And he broke it out and like, Obviously, it didn't work. It was just, you know, deadening the guitar. And then at the end of it, somebody said something. I think people were making fun of him in the crowd or something was going on. Because at the end of the song, he got so pissed. I remember he threw it and stomped off. And that was the last time we ever saw Bob. <laughs> she pulls a giant rubber dildo with balls. You <laughs> totally missed the point, dude. That was Bob when we went to shop. We went shopping for food, and remember, they, they tried to scan, and he put it all in the bag. He just skipped the scanner, and the ladies like, "Excuse me, I have to scan your food first. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> he was not quite there. Yeah. But God bless his heart. I don't think he's alive anymore, right? He, he. I don't know. Did he pass? I think he he had a motorcycle accident or something. Oh, he was, like I said, he was a good soul. He was a good soul. He was, he was really fun. I remember he was really funny. He was funny as fuck. Um, but then we had, um, <laughs> remember, Jeffrey? <laughs> uh, uh, 
barely was he the first you cannot heroine? not remember jeffrey was jeffrey, he the first jeffrey the rock star who was like looked like he plays an orgy and and he was like promoting us everywhere he was really gothy and he was really drunk and got drunker every time he came to rehearsal and then we threw him off the stage at downtime mm -hmm. you don't remember that uh, no, I don't remember. I barely remember. Oh my God. That was like when Otto's daughter got like banned in several clubs. Like I had to go and apologize for him because he walked, he walked into downtime. Neville was, was working at downtime. He walked into downtime with a bottle of, I don't know, vodka or something and put it on the bar. And they're like, can you tell your guitarist to take his liquor out of the bar? Like, you know. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. And then we started playing and I was like, I'm not ready. Or something was not ready, the, the, the sampler or something. And you were like, hold on. Mm. And then he's like, fuck this. And he started playing. I No, I remember what happened. What happened? He was, you know, we had the, we had the crazy. And he cut himself. He cut himself right before. Yeah. So he, he, he we're, there was some argument and he borrowed CJ's knife and used it to cut himself all yes. over his chest because he was so goth or whatever. Goth, yeah, yeah. And he was, I'm, I'm guessing he was high on heroin. He was certainly at least oh. drunk and probably high on heroin. And he was kind of all like, Ugh. and we get on stage and Jeffrey is, give me a minute. Jeffrey is, um, tuning his guitar. And if you remember, we had this huge setup on stage and um, everything was a rush, 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 rush to get everything set up to play. And he's still tuning his guitar. And then- That's what it was. Yes. And then we're, you know, so everyone's got all their stuff set up and now the club's getting mad that we haven't started yet. And he's still tuning his guitar. That's how it was. Yeah, he was still on his E string. He hadn't even got past. And then finally, I remember CJ came over. It was either CJ or um, the gentleman that was the keyboardist. I can't remember his name. Oh, Paul. Paul. Yeah. It, it, was, either, it was either Paul or CJ. But one of them leaned over to me because we're, you know, I'm at this point. We're like, fuck it. We got to play, or they're going to. It was play. Paul. Paul was like, should we just start? And then, and then Paul, Paul's. I'm like, Paul's like, what should I? What should we do? And I was like. Just pull out the the pull out the chord from his amp and we'll just play. So we just said fuck it and we started the song. And uh, you know, meanwhile he's still now he's all of a sudden realizing we we're playing a song and he's can't get any sound. And that's when he like threw a fit and jumped off stage. And just I don't did the bouncer throw him out of oh the we got the bouncer to pick him up and carry him out. But wait, it was, it was, so he was still playing. What happened is he was playing just, we, we started and he was really pissed. And it, it, I forget, one, two, three, I think that was the song we started with. And he just started playing random noise. And yeah, he, he like- He plugged his guitar back in. He figured out we had, un I think I unplugged his guitar. Yeah, yeah. But he figured it out, plugged back in and he was just making random noise. And then we finished the song and he was still going. No, doing the song, we, so we told the sound guy, cut him off. And then he did. And he ran off stage, attacked the sound guy, and jumped back on stage. And that's when Paul was like, should I get the security guy? Yeah. <laughs> we're like, yes, please. And we were like, oh, shit. 
we don't have any guitars on the backing tracks and we just started adding a lot of guitars and we just like okay everybody you all witnessed this like we don't have a guitarist now and then everybody chanted fuck jeffrey and oh <laughs> oh my god and then we just we were like fuck it we're just gonna play without the guitars and yeah and i remember from the drum set i could see the bouncer like carrying him out with yes. the guitar. and um and then i looked at paul and i was like well and paul had just i think he had one rehearsal with us if that and I was like, Paul, can we, you know, can we play? And he's like, well, I got two hands, mate, which was the classic Spinal Taps reference. And so we just played through the set. But yeah, that was, I, yeah, that was Jeffrey. I forgot about that insanity. So yeah, we went through a lot of real, uh, real winners. And, and it, it sucked because we so badly wanted to play downtime and we had a huge crowd and we were so happy that we played that club. And then there's this huge crowd and that shit happens. And I think everybody looked at us like, what the fuck is going on, you know? But then they realized, holy shit, they just threw their guitars out. This was not a show. This was this was actually not planned. This is like, <laughs> and then Jeffrey kept texting us or calling us and we were like, dude, what did you say? I'm gonna drop your shit up on the on 42nd and somewhere. If you're there, pick it up. If not, I'm just, I don't give a fuck. Like pick your shit up. Cause he kept like, we used to have a guest book on our website and he would always like pretend to be somebody else and say where's rockstar jeffrey what happened to jeff we missed jeffrey and i'm like dude you weren't even in band for like a month or two months or something he was a bit of a wanker <laughs> oh my god and what about come on what about russell when we said we're going to be like really industrial make yourself um so we had our first show at the, at the spiral lounge remember that that's the one with the rubber dildo and uh CJ setting the lights up in front of the crowd. Oh my God. And we showed up there and they all looking at us like, who the fuck are these people? Like it's a spiral lounge and they're acting like they're playing Madison Square Garden. We had like a light box. We had all these lights and we blinded the crowd. They couldn't even see us. <laughs> yeah, that was our first gig with CJ helping us <laughs> But we had a lighting guy. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> And Cedric played with us because he was just like helping us so much with, with the computers. And then he was like, hey, if you need someone to play keys for you, I'll play for you, you know? And then- I Remember you, you made him dress up and he got that, um, that rubber shirt? Yes, yes, <laughs> that black rubber shirt. <laughs> Didn't he get stuck in it or something? He was like sweating his ass up. He's like, man, this is fucking nasty. <laughs> Yeah, he got it. Like ripped his chest hair out or something. And then Russell shows up and he had like, that was like our first bass player, right? Was he the first player? God, Russell, I forgot about Russell. I know. And he, he shows up, he's like, yeah, I'm going to wear latex. We're like, cool. And then he had like, what, five stripes of latex on his body. We're like, what the hell is this? Oh, he got the paint on latex. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I remember that. And I, that that was really that was the brazilian wax to remove it so <laughs> you can't make that shit up that was the weirdest guy too because he was he was a really cool dude but he would hardly ever talk right Russell, yeah, he, he, he didn't talk much <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. my god and then we played i remember i had this awesome dress made i had like a bunch of outfits made by this amazing um designer clothing designer andre did you ever come with me i don't remember andre and yeah i remember right and oh he was amazing and um 
we played this amazing club. I don't remember where that was, but I had my mermaid dress on and we were all like decked out and there were like five people there or something or 10 people were like, oh, this sucks. It was like some gas night. Then there was that club in the meat market that I can't remember the name. Mother. Of. Mother. And we got there early to load in and the guy greets us at the door and, you know, we, we, you know, we chat, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, well, follow me. And he turns around and he's wearing assless chaps <laughs> and nothing else. And I'm standing there going, okay, I, okay. <laughs> that kind of night. And then the act before us was like, they tied the dude to the cross and were like bleeding him. And like, it was, the blood was getting all over our, you know, our gear. And I was, I remember I was freaking out. Like, I don't want, I don't want, I, I don't want blood all over my gear. You know, I don't want my own blood, let alone other people's blood. That was a, that was a freaky club. I remember. Yeah. That. Yeah. I love that club though, because we didn't have to get our own crowd. We, we, there was a building crowd. We got paid a little bit of money and, um, and the crowd was pretty receptive. They were like really cool. You know, I, I like the fact that, I mean, we were both kind of into vampires at the time, you know, and I think we liked the whole, like, it was, it was you, to your point, the crowd is into it. They were there to have fun. They weren't judgmental and, um, you know, like you said, didn't hurt to get paid a little. Uh, but yeah, it was that was it was a, a, a receptive crowd, and that wasn't always the case. I mean, we played upstairs at um, oh god, it was a famous club, and then it got turned into a dance club. And oh, then, Webster Hall, Webster Hall. Yeah, we played upstairs at Webster Hall, and was it the Blade Runner show or something, right? It was horrible because we got to the stage and they had one speaker that was hanging over the bar. That was the PA system. And then <laughs> we showed up. I mean, we had more speakers of our own that we used for monitor wedges than they had for an actual PA system. And it was so, I'm surprised Sebastian didn't remember this one. It was so quiet on stage because I play electronic drums at the time that I remember Sebastian just came over and leaned on the drum set and started talking to me at this volume of voice while we're playing. He's like, hey, man, so, you know, I'm just watching you and counting off of that because I can't hear anything. And I'm like, I know me neither. I can't really hear anything, um, you know, and it's like it's really noisy outside, but there's no PA system. You, you remember that? And then we had to haul our crap up like six flights of stairs and then they rushed us right out of there. I don't remember that. I remember like I remember what I was wearing for whatever weird reason, like I had my white boots on and a white dress. That's all I remember. Um, I, but I do remember in the beginning, we would call it the fridge because you were really into it. I always admired that because you had like, you were like programming everything, you know, like you, I didn't even know how to use that shit. And you were like, ah, I got this. Like you were using a sampler. And so we had like, we called it the fridge. Every time we would play a show, that thing was heavy as fuck. <laughs> so we would like, you know, we would be almost envying the people, the other people in the, in the club because we're like, Man, they just show up with a guitar, and here we are with our we're schlepping all this shit with us, you know, <laughs> just like. But we needed it. It was kind of part of who we were, and that's what made us so different. Well, I mean, you know, the back then there were not computers that were remotely powerful enough to take on a stage, let alone yeah. uh, reliable enough. And the sampler was our workaround. 
Um, you know, and at that point we had, you know, this, the, the most automated unsigned band live show ever where we had automated lights, automated pyro, automated vocal effects, automated guitar effects, automated bass effects, um, you know, plus the backing tracks all run from that sampler. The thing was great. It was the one piece of gear we had that almost never failed us except for at one time we played a show. Irving Plaza. Irving Plaza, yeah, and the power went out. And I even was so anal, I had put a, a battery backup in the fridge to protect that from happening. But it spiked so hard, it blew the UPS. And right in the middle of the first song, everything died. And all the backing tracks, everything died because the sampler had to reboot. And I remember, um, that might have been one of Jim's earlier shows with us. I forget. There was someone yeah. that was new in the band. And they were like, I remember everyone, because again, it was so quiet on stage because I'm playing, you know, I'm playing plastic. Thwack, thwack, thwack. Right. And so, yeah, that, I think that was the most cringe-worthy moment ever in any show we ever played because Irving Plaza was a big, big venue. And, uh, you know, I, th I thought we were really ready to, to, do a great job at that place and it i know and it was the opening song it was and it was the most simple heavy song i was stuck mm -hmm. you know where we had that that main bass line was like the the in fact now that we bring that up i remember i threw my drumsticks at the sound guy because he was doing such a bad job like uh at you know, we requested like, hey, don't, you know, I just need the bassist in my wedge or whatever. And I remember it was, the wedge was so loud. It was like distorting, like, yeah, yeah. Couldn't hear anything. And I'm waving to the guy and he was in a booth on the side of the stage and he was like eating a cheeseburger. I don't know what the food, not paying attention. I remember I threw my sticks at him. Yeah, that, that, that gig sucked. But I did remember the all time funniest thing and the reason why I became instant best friends for, forever with, with Chimpo is that we moved to LA and I got the job at Guitar Center to find quickly find musicians for the band that didn't move with us. And, you know, we had put some one ads at and we were getting the same old loser tribe that we'd gotten on the East Coast. Yeah. And so I went there and I figured, you know, what better place to find musicians than a Guitar Center. And so that's where we found Garrison. And I remember Chimpo kept asking me, hey man, I play bass, I wanna try out, I wanna try out. And I was just like, well, do you have a bass? And he's like, well, no, but I can get one. And so finally, I think we agreed to do it. I didn't know the guy that well, um, but I'm finally like, okay, cool. So, you know, and I gave him that song and I said, you need to learn uh, the one we were just talking about. What was it? Uh, Stuck. Stuck. And it, you know, it's got the pretty wacky bass line and so I gave it to him and, and I'm like, you need a five string to get the low notes. And he's like, okay. And so he borrowed a five string from Guitar Center when we were at work, brand new in the box, shows up at rehearsal with the guitar still brand new in the box. And the thing about guitars, if you know about guitars is they generally need to be set up. Um, and this particular, uh, I think it was an Ibanez was a really inexpensive one and a five string to boot. So when he went to tune it, the low string was just rattling on the frets. 
And so we start, you know, he's screwing around trying to tune it and bitching about it. And I'm like, fuck this, let's just get the rehearsal over with and move on. And so he starts playing and it just, <laughs> the string is just so loose. It's just laying on the frets and rattling. And I'll never forget, this is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. You know, he takes the bass and it's this big, huge five string neck and he can't get it to play. And then he just flips it face down in front of him and start, that. starts playing it and humping it at the yeah. same time. So he's fucking the bass while he's playing this bass line. And then with that fucking chimpo shit-eating grin on his face while he's playing it. And I, I remember I fell off I fell off the drum set. I don't think I've laughed that hard in my life. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And we got to the end of it. And he's like, what'd you think? I'm like, oh God, you're totally in the band. How could you not? <laughs> that was the funniest thing I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> I mean, I talk about, you know, it totally his personality, like just not giving a fuck and just having fun with it. Just, <laughs> Jesus. And I guess, again, one of those moments in life you wish you had video, because it's just, It'll never get out of my head on repeat of him just <laughs> watching the bass. <laughs> so. He was always so funny. Like, oh my God, he, he was he was just one of those guys that, that just, I'm like, can you be serious for like one minute? He's like, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> and and he's, he, he's still that guy. That's him through and through. That's awesome though. That is so awesome. So, I'm, like, yeah. I, I'm telling you like, we could write a book about us because we haven't even gotten through like there's so many like people that came and left you know um i, I was telling sebastian I, for, I almost forgot about fred remember that guy fred who was in the band for like a minute he, him and his wife he had a wife rena he made some flyers for us some stickers for us he had the spiky hair um red hair or something like that i don't know he, he had like a printing company mm -hmm. But anyway, like it just it just came to me last night. I'm like, oh my god, I forgot all about that guy. And then Eric, remember Eric Filth? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember Eric. And um, uh, so, have you talked to Paul at all? Paul? Yeah, the keyboardist. English guy Paul? No, I haven't. I need to get in touch with him. He he, I don't have his contact information, but I'm sure he's got some pretty fucking funny stories. And I, don't, I, I don't I don't remember his last name. That it, that's the crazy thing that there have been people in our band that I don't really remember at all because some they were like in it for a minute or so, you know. Um, and like we said before, we, we we had some pretty crazy people in the band, and I think when Dan and uh, so Sebastian was like the most stable after after Russell, I don't remember why Russell left. He was always kind of a little bit negative, I think, or depressed or something. I, I can't quite remember. Um, and then we found Sebastian and his his buddy James, who like took his shirt off. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> I remember James. <laughs> I can't play without my shirt. No, I can't play with my shirt on. <laughs> and then another really cool memory is, I think when we all went to El Paso, you know, remember that? Oh yeah, at the Sonic Ranch. Yeah, when we had to, we, we worked with the first professional producer at yeah. the time, you know, Neil Kernan. And um, do you remember like when we were like done? Because 
first of all, I have to thank you because because of you, I am producing and recording, you know, because you taught me all of that. Like I didn't, and I would always yell at you. I'm like, why do you have to, why do you have to buy this? Or why do you have to, you like, because you have to upgrade shit, you know, like it's a newer version. I could never understand that. And now I totally get it. I still laugh about it. Sometimes I'm like, man, I used to yell at you. I'm like, can't you just be happy with what you have? You're like, no, you have to upgrade it. But yeah, if it wasn't for you, I would, I don't, you know, you really taught me um, how to do all that stuff, you know? And at the time we both didn't really know what, what we're doing, but you were way more into it than me in the beginning, you know? And um, so Neil Cronin, I remember like on the way back home, I don't know if you remember that. I was so bummed because I was like, oh my God, it sounds like shit. The whole album sounds like shit. And you were like, because we haven't mastered it yet. <laughs> but I think you were still tweaking a few things, no? Who, Neil? You, you, because. Uh, yeah, yeah, I tweaked a few things and we had a, you and I had a huge disagreement about auto-tuning the vocals on one song on there. I know, I wish I would have listened to you. <laughs> I can't remember if you're sharp or flat the whole song, but it was that yeah me off and I remember having I don't remember exactly what but I remember having a discussion with Neil when you guys weren't in the room about that song and I was uh, a very vague memory but I seem to remember being like just let it go just let it go man unless you want to fight it with her let it go what song was that mm, I don't know we ended up never playing it live I think oh hail was it hail no because it's not, I think you, you, you tweaked it later on anyway, because no, there's something. No, no, it went on the album out of tune. Wait, was it one, two, three, maybe, huh? No, no, he didn't do that. He it's didn't. Earlier really. album. No. Yeah. I, I don't remember the song, but hey, yeah. it, it was out of tune. It was, I know. I was out of tune a lot. <laughs> well, and in a certain amount of that is okay. I mean, that's part of artistic and expression but it was just the whole song was was i think that you were flat the whole song and i kept i remember i kept trying to write a keyboard line for you to follow while you were singing to try to keep you in tune because the sound of the synths were dragging you out of key or something like that but it, I it remember must have been hail because whenever we would rehearse it i'll be always off no hail we got i think i did some auto-tuning without telling you on the recording i know but I think life, like when we, I think we played Hail, we were trying to play that and I could never sing. And then I would just get nervous. I'm like, oh my God, I cannot. Just thinking about it, I'm already off. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a tough song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm a huge fan of it anyways, but. <laughs> and, and remember like how we made like these awesome sounds. I'm like, I mean, you, you will not believe like in this cool sound I made, like I used your green ashtray and you're like, that was my mom's. Oh, oh yeah. you broke my green ashtray to make the sound. Yeah, I remember. And you were like, that's not cool. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, we used to do some fun stuff, writing uh, music with a, a half a half drunken can of Mountain Dew and some gear and playing with cords and cables. So I do miss the creative side of it. Um, but the amount of time and effort to put into it, I just don't have in my life anymore. I have other yeah. things I pursue. Yeah. So, you know, from having the kid to 
you know, having a wonderful relationship with my wife to my career during the day. Um, it's, uh, it's a busy life. So we'll see. Maybe when my son's older, if he's interested, I'll dive back into it with him. Still have a, a little drum set here. I saw that. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's, that's his drum set. And then mine's in the garage. And every once in a while, I can get him to play. But, you know, I'm not, I, I wouldn't wish music on my worst enemy as far as a career. <laughs> Well, I mean, those were great memories. And I think, again, like, I think what was so cool in the early days of Otto's Daughter is that we did so many things that were just like happy accidents sometimes and very experimental. Like you recorded, we would we would reverse something, you know, or like you recorded the people arguing in a hallway. <laughs> what, what is that? What intro was that? And that was on Void, of course. I don't know, but I remember the girl had caught her boyfriend cheating on her and she was yelling at him outside our studio so I popped the door open and stuck a microphone out and recorded the whole thing that was I forgot about that it was pretty funny and then you, yeah. I think you shifted it and you reversed it or something you did yeah, something I added some um some I think some um bit crushing and make it so that you couldn't tell that I obviously didn't want to violate anyone's privacy but it sounded pretty great her yelling at him even backwards right right <laughs> well you've done some crazy shit because you you were always like yeah i mean you were such a big part of the band first of all you know obviously we were the core members we, we founded artist order but then also you did a lot of a lot of work you know you you were always in the studio mixing and and, and working so hard getting things right and at some point you even got a job i don't know if you can talk about that but where you listen to conversations and you cleaned up conversations you know yeah yeah no that was that was actually through cedric um, yeah yeah i remember that and doing audio restoration for uh government cases um it was uh, pre pre 9-11 and the government was still running on pretty old technology so computers were just starting to be a thing and so uh, cedric and i uh, cooked up a scheme where we could use the com yeah, you know the computers of the time to do a better job doing audio restoration on these audio files that the government would take to trial than what was being offered out there which wasn't very much and uh, it worked for a while um, and then they asked me to start testifying at trials and then one of them was a mob trial and I'm like you know <laughs> Being on the East Coast, I'm like, you know what? I don't want any part of this anymore. <laughs> I am not, I'm not, just not interested in even touching that subject. So I'm just gonna, you know, not do that. And then 9-11 happened and the government obviously poured a ton of money into surveillance. So there wasn't really the need for it anymore. Right. So that was, it was an interesting job, but um, uh, yeah, the, the trial thing started being like, eh, I don't think I want to be a witness at a, at a mob trial. Thank you very much. Even just a unimportant technical witness, I don't want to do it. So no, definitely not. You know, it wasn't exactly the most exciting work. I, you know, a, a typical case could be 60 to 180 hours of audio that I would have to go through painstakingly and it just you know it sounded great up front but after you're doing it day after day after day it stopped being so much fun um you know you know just it wasn't anything like music so uh, it, I'm sure 
you know, I'm sure there's people that really, really love that stuff. And, you know, being in um, music retail and studio design and installation now in my day job, I interface with all the manufacturers of all this stuff. And certainly the technology is like wildly leap years ahead. So, uh, and I'm sure you even, even use some of the, some of the stuff out there, like the isotope stuff and all that. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. But what, what we were doing back then was super rudimentary by comparison. Um, well, you know, I, I, like I told Sebastian, I'm like, I'm so lucky that we got to be part of history uh, in New York that is no longer there, like CBGBs and the Continental, all these cool clubs, you know, and that cool scene that we were still thankfully part of, you know, that's, that is gone. Um, just tell people what you do now and where they can find you because you have your own, you freaking like the big shot now. You, you know, you have your own business now. Tell people real quick before you go and then they can find you and contact you if you, they need any gear. Yeah, well, I, I work at Westlake Pro and that's www.westlakepro.com. And we are, we do retail. Um, so we sell equipment, um, but we also design, consult, integrate, on all types of specialty spaces, studios, um, screening rooms, edit bays. Uh, basically, uh, the term that I've come to describe it is specialty rooms. So, and oftentimes in a larger building, a company might be moving in and they wanna deal with specialty rooms. So generally rooms that revolve around audio and video. Um, so, you know, from gear to, you know, uh, from actually just selling the boxes themselves to helping people understand what boxes to get and putting these things together. That's, that's what Westlake Pro does. And we actually have a location in Nashville now too, which is cool. Oh, awesome. Um, I still haven't managed to get out there because, you know, COVID last year, so no traveling yet, but I hope to go out maybe next year and see it. Um, work with a lot of good people so it's uh it's been fun and that company that's what 10 years almost nine years now um it's a great crew of people it's a lot of fun and you know it's, it's not unlike a band you know you're with the your work family and uh, there's a lot of uh kidding around and ball busting and jokes and uh you know everyone doing their best to do work and still have fun so that's a that's a whole nother set of insanity I could tell you about going back from working <laughs> crazy shit at Guitar Center to I know now talk about you know or remember when at the beginning when I worked at Home Depot all those crazy things that happened there oh my god yes <laughs> I, I'm telling you that there's a whole book in there like oh, oh, many more episodes because there's a lot of interesting and fun stuff all right well thanks thanks all for right. taking the time Yes, thank yeah. you for coming on. And it was really fun talking about these things. And we'll have to do it one more time again at some point, maybe with a bunch of other people, with Sebastian and you know, the whole crew. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding, man. We totally should. Uh, you definitely, should. you definitely want to get me and Shimpo on. That'll be a lot more funny than me by myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, you. Thank you for being on. Have a good night. Take care. Bye. Bye. As always, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I know there's so many other things you could be doing with your time. There's so many things out there. So I appreciate you tuning in and I hope you liked it. If you liked it, subscribe, share with your friends. And these special episodes with Otto's daughter at the end of this 
episode you will hear an Ado's Daughter song and also a link to where you can get our songs if you're interested um, from the very first album to the last album we did and you know if you have any requests let me know there will be many many more podcasts um, with the band uh, this is just the beginning there's so many so many stories to talk about and so many other people to bring on to share their point of view and their little time or big longer time they were in the band depending <laughs> um, but I hope you like this again spread the word thank you so much for tuning in and as always my sun protective shawl is available at jackvanb.com so make sure you check that out if you would like sun protection or stay cozy on the cooler summer spring evenings and with that said have an amazing rest of the week a great weekend and i'll see you next friday thanks guys
Get inside your body 